1: And does this bring back memories? Bachman Turner Overdrive, one of my favorite records and of all time was by them. It's an album called Not Fragile, which was so good. Um, anyway, all the music bringing back memories. We should just do an all music talk show. That'd be kind of fun. Not play a lot of music, just talk about music. Sure, that would be fabulously entertaining. Um, education, big topic on the show. Uh, I'm going to start with this for everybody out there that I'm arguing with online. It is interesting to see how people argue. I think how you argue any part. Point Because I think it shifts for people. When you have a valid argument toward a point, you argue the points of your argument. When you don't, you argue about the person that's arguing with you. I'll give you an example. Um, My argument about the hotline that the superintendent of public instruction has started is that he promised to do it on the campaign trail, and he believes it's one of the reasons why he was elected that parents want a larger voice. So if you're someone that either likes the superintendent or the job he's doing or you're someone that's giving him the benefit of the doubt, the the mantra is – In which I believe this is to give parents another voice and an avenue to be heard if they disagree what's going on in public schools. Now, to say that there hasn't been an issue in public schools, you're just wrong. Because kids can't read, kids can't perform math skills, and after what happened, it's not just a few parents. You're not talking about a few Karens out there that watched something a teacher said on an online video and got outraged. This was a movement across the country of parents seeing what was going on and saying, I don't think that's appropriate for children, And when they went to the school boards and said, I don't think that's appropriate for children, they were shunned. They were told to shut up. They were told to stay out. They were called domestic terrorists. That's not an exaggeration. And they were basically excluded. So parents... Becoming activists happens very quickly when they feel like it's something bad is happening to their children. And parents across this country began to stand up and run for school boards and get elected because many other observers saw what was happening and thought it was time for a change. So the premise that parents didn't have the voice they thought they needed in school districts is not a new one. Tom Horn, the superintendent, didn't make this one up. It was there before he took office. Now, that doesn't mean you have to agree with the hotline, but the idea that this is somehow set out to harass teachers, which is the mantra of the protesters yesterday, is absurd. Tom Horn has talked about we need to get teacher raises. Tom Horn has talked about his relationship and desire to have better teachers in the classroom and to give them the resources that they need. This is such a myopic argument. There are just some people in education, the teacher organizations especially, that don't want questions asked. It's the same attitude. This is the same attitude that happened at the school board level in Scottsdale and Chandler and other places where parents walked in and said, "Uh, we got questions. And the school board said, shut up. Sit down. Be quiet. You would never question a doctor. How dare you question the education professionals? They were treated horribly. So that doesn't mean you have to agree with this hotline. Doesn't mean that at all. But to say that it is ill-intended and all these other things is nonsense. So the argument that's coming my way now, one person said, well, you've never been a teacher, so you're coming from a point of view where you've never experienced this. You're 100 percent right. But she got upset about a joke I made on the air, and I said, but you're not a talk show host, and yet you have a strong enough opinion about what I'm doing on the air that you're commenting on Twitter. So to say that I don't have a right to have my opinion heard – A, it's my job, and B, I don't have to have firsthand experience to have an opinion. Now, if I'm not educated, if I haven't asked, and believe me, my opinions are formed by teachers, I'm not, I know that people think I am, but I'm not dumb. I don't want to go off half cocked on an issue. And by the way, um, if you look at the people from Save Our Schools and some of the other organizations, Beth Lewis has been a frequent guest on this show where we've disagreed on a lot of things on education. But I have a lot of respect for Miss Lewis. She comes on. She debates her point. She is civil. She is kind. She is just um, opinionated, which is very good. And she's educated on her opinion, even though I disagree. I have invited – All of the teacher organizations, and they have an open invitation on this show anytime. If if leadership of the AEA wants to come on this show, if they want to explain to me why this is a slap in the face for teachers, I would love to have the conversation. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not being sarcastic because we all want what's best. We all want what's best in education. So opponents of this, just to give you an idea of some of the tactics, opponents of this hotline are bogging down this hotline with recorded vile messages. Now, I haven't reached out to the superintendent's office yet, but I think if it were up to me, I think what I would do is I would reach out and I would say to Tom Horn or to the people in his office, why don't you release some of those messages? Why don't you have the language bleeped out? But let people in the media play. Let me play on the air some of the messages you've got. And then let's see who's having a civil conversation about what's happening. Because there's nothing civil about this opposition. They set up a straw man. They call them evil. They call them dangerous. And neither is true. Now, if you believe it's worthless, if you believe it's a waste of time, let's talk about it. But to say that I have no value in my opinion or that I haven't done my homework in a way that is um, more comprehensive, that I'm only looking at one point of view, you'd be wrong. But that's the narrative, because when you don't have an argument against my argument, you come after me personally. And it's not just me. It's that's how people fight. If you have the facts, you pound the facts. If you don't have facts, you pound the desk. So, they're pounding the desk, screaming into bullhorns, and claiming that this is a slap in the face to teachers. And they're not calling the teachers, by the way. They're calling the Department of Education. So, the teachers aren't going to hear anything about any of this unless any of these claims are validated. But once again, I would say to you do your own homework, ask your school district what do you spend on curriculum? Do you guys use social emotional learning? What's the value in it? How much does it cost? Because we keep hearing that you can't pay teachers enough money to keep them, and yet you're spending a lot of money in these other areas. And see how willing they are to discuss their finances with you. If they are willing to discuss finances with you, if they are willing to, to explain to you how they spend their money, then you live in a great school district. You live in a school district with whether you agree with what they do or not they're transparent and they believe you as a customer have a right to know how they spend their money if you get stall tactics and nonsense maybe this line is necessary but either way we all want the same thing in education so the people that demonize me or demonize the superintendent because they disagree with them don't have a better argument against what's being done other than demonization that's my biggest problem with it What we're going to do in a moment is get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We do it every day. We call it Did You Hear This? So stick around for it.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get caught up on the big headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
2: Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank had hundreds of billions of dollars in assets but weren't required to pass key stress tests like larger banks due to rollback regulations in 2018. Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown is calling on Congress to restore those regulations.
3: Five years ago, Congress passed a a law that weakened bank rules uh, at the behest of the banks, uh, including the behest of the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, who
1: was one of the leaders in weakening the rules, and look what happened.
2: Do we need these regulations restored, to keep another failure from happening?
1: I don't know the answer to that. I'm being very honest. I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that there are many, 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 many banks, the vast majority of them are these smaller banks that are obeying the same rules or abiding by the same rules for smaller banks that are less strict, that are flourishing, that are flush with cash, that are doing the right thing. Even one Democratic senator, I believe it was Menendez, said that uh, the regulation changes had nothing to do with this. So I don't know the answer because I'm not an expert in that area. But I do know that unless people have trust in the system, the system will suffer. So I will leave it at we need to do whatever it takes to give trust back to the people in this system.
2: Arizona State Senator Steve Kaiser joined the show today and discussed his affordable housing bill and shared some statistics regarding housing in Arizona.
1: We are short almost 300,000 single-family homes. Our multifamily is at a 90% occupancy rate, which is a 40% high. And we know that our homes, our single-family homes, are 20% higher than the national average. We have no starter home stock. And our rental rates are 18% higher than the national average.
2: What solutions do we need to fix these issues?
1: I think the zoning issues he's talking about, which is not changing uh, the requirements, but exp- Expediting the process. Uh, we did this a long time ago in the city of Phoenix. Somebody came in and realized that things were being bogged down when it came to building. And this was more of an economic thing for getting builders and getting developers to build in Phoenix versus other cities. And a lot of times when people are looking for land to buy and to build a, a, a facility, it is based on some of these zoning costs and how long it's going to take to get the project done. So what they did in Phoenix was expedite the process in order to say to businesses, we're going to make it easy easier for you to do business. We're not going to change our standards, but we're going to speed things along. And it did very well for the city. This needs to be statewide and telling developers, we're going to make sure it's cheaper for you to do what you're going to do. We're going to hold to a higher standard, but we're going to get it done more quickly. I think it's the right thing to do. Let's see if they get this changed in a way to make this work. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the headlines.
2: The Empower Hotline has been in use for a week, but some are wondering if it is being used correctly. Well, it's been nearly a week since the hotline was launched, and so far most of the calls are generic complaints not related to the purpose of the line or simply profane. The Arizona Department of Education tells me that no more than half a dozen reports are being investigated. Is this hotline worth putting resources in Sure it is. I think
1: any time you give parents a voice, it's a good thing. If there are people out there being idiots, that's like saying, you know, we have a suicide hotline, but a lot of prank calls are coming in. Some of these people are not just suicidal. They're looking for people to talk to, and there's only been about a half a dozen people that have been helped. There still is great value in having a resource for people out there. This is going to calm down. The people, the idiots out there that don't like it, that are abusing it by saying profane things on on the phone will get tired of it and move on, and we'll see if this works. It's a brand new program that is trying to give parents A voice in education that they didn't have before. If it doesn't work, they'll get rid of it. But I can tell you this the uproar against it, the fact that they decided they needed to march against it, tells you that it's probably got some value.
2: The NCAA March Madness tournament is in full swing, and ABC 15's Garrett Archer explains just how hard it is to fill out a perfect bracket.
3: It's nine followed by 18 zeros, one in nine quintillion. To give you an idea of how insanely large that number is, it's 18,000 times larger than the number of stars in our Milky Way galaxy.
2: Have you ever predicted the champion correctly?
1: Oh, yeah, I've, I've picked the champion correctly sometimes, but that's about the only thing i pre- pre- predicted correctly, and I've been wrong a bunch as well. Um, I don't fill out brackets because I'm one of those people that I'm like, I'm in it, I'm in it, and by day three, I'm out. I don't know anything about college basketball. Plus, I like watching the games. By the way, congratulations, Sparky. Uh, quite the win last night, almost putting 100 on Nevada. Um, what a nail-biter that was. And let's call you out a little bit, Julia. You were concerned in the, in the second in half. What? They were up by 20 and you were still concerned.
2: Yeah, I think I had right to be.
1: Okay. <laughs> Did you need him to win by 50? Did they have to double him up?
2: No, I've just seen them get into spins where they can't hit threes and then they try to continue to hit well, threes. Well, I tell and it you what, work. that was
1: a huge win for Sparky, so congratulations.
2: Hopefully they'll keep that momentum
1: up. I agree with you. You know what? Uh, for the local community, it's great that there are three teams in. We'll see GCU plays against Gonzaga, I think, on Friday. And then, um, you know, we'll see what goes on from there. U of A is expected to go a long way in this. So it's great to see three Arizona teams in. It's great for the local market. But every one of us is looking for that Cinderella team. And one of the things I like is that, is it, isn't it possible that Arizona State could be that Cinderella? Uh, I just needed to
3: jump in here, Mike. You talked about Arizona going a long way. Yeah. Apparently, you agree with President Biden. What? He has picked Arizona to win the whole thing.
1: Oh, my gosh. I just want to. Can I change my mind? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for him. I, and I, I don't think they're a bad pick. Do you? No. Not at all. They're a two seed. I
3: mean, they're in a, a region where they could potentially face Alabama, the number one overall seed in the tournament. But no, they. Finally, I don't think that's a bad pick at all.
1: They finally got over uh, on UCLA. They beat UCLA finally. So they've gotten past that hurdle, at least that mental hurdle. They know they can beat the elite teams out there. So, yeah, this is good.
3: Yeah. And uh, nobody still is talking about the prospect of ASU against Grand
1: Canyon Sunday in Denver. I know. And, and so you are you are the ASU sports guy, especially here. You know a lot about ASU sports. Did you expect, I know you picked ASU to win last night. How surprised were you about the ease of that victory? Very. Uh, but they are a team that they're very streaky if they shoot well from outside.
3: And the only thing that concerned me in the second half was, guys, you're using it all up in one
1: game. <laughs> save some of it. Yeah, but do you think, does this, because you've been around these tournaments, both on the men's side and the women's side, when you see this, doesn't this, in my mind, it would give them confidence and momentum going into the next game against TCU? Oh,
3: yeah. I think, you know, we deal with it in the conference tournament level, where there are teams that have to play the first day, and there's four teams that don't, and the four teams that don't always say, I don't like it because the team I'm playing won yesterday, and they've got momentum.
1: Especially if you were picked to win this game by a point. Either way, it was supposed to be a close game, and it was never close. Right.
3: And I think that's one thing that, especially the way they played last night, ASU will take the floor tomorrow with an immense amount of confidence.
1: Do you think that Hurley, I know we're late, but I want to know, do you think that Hurley goes into the locker room after that game and says, this is what this team is capable of. This is what we've been waiting for. You keep playing like this, and we're going deep. It it, it is, and yet he was asked at halftime on the telecast, is that the best you can play and hurley said no good for him that's awesome (laughs) yeah thanks jeff all right coming up in just a moment what we're going to do uh we're going to talk about the economy gas prices and the things that mean the most to consumers next
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app.
1: Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. I want to get to this economy stuff in a moment, but we got important business. Jeff, I want to put you on the spot. Yes, sir. Um, and maybe, maybe you can't comment on this or don't want to. How cool would it be? Let's say the dream happens for us. Let's say GCU, ASU play in the tournament. Okay, right. Let's say they play in the tournament. Okay. Wouldn't it be a great thing for basketball and college sports in Arizona if there was that cross-town rivalry? Yeah, there's always been the, the feeling uh, I, The men played
3: back-to-back years, and then they didn't play this year, and I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women played at GCU this year, and by the way, we were treated very, very well. This whole thing about you know hard feelings between no. the two schools, they couldn't have been nicer to us. And so, yeah. I, I would love it. I, you know, there was as much energy in that building at GCU Arena as there, was, there is for a men's game. It was tremendous. Yeah, so I'd love to see it continue.
1: I'd been to a game at GCU a couple of times, the men's games. I have not been yeah. to a women's game. And I love the atmosphere in the gym. It's a fun place to watch a game. The student body makes it a great atmosphere. And I just think that that would be cool to see a rivalry. Now, obviously, GCU's got a long way to go to catch up in some areas. But they're still, the program is growing. And it would be fun to have a crosstown rival. In reality, the game they play tomorrow against Gonzaga
3: in some ways is more meaningful to them because they have always said they patter themselves after Gonzaga. So they're going up against the team that they want to be tomorrow afternoon.
1: Yeah, and and this is a big test for that program to stay even if they don't win the game to stay competitive and then to get them maybe to where they want to be in the future, right? Exactly.
3: I mean if they were to get a win tomorrow, beating the number three seed in the tournament that's not just an upset that's a mega upset and it's a national stop the presses story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well Jeff, thanks. The idea, uh, we're talking March Madness and the end of the last segment before the news and uh, Jeff is such a, a resource in sports in general, but especially college sports and at ASU, and uh, I just think this March Madness is just a cool time of year. People like me, a very casual basketball fan, all worked up. I watched almost every single minute of that game last night of ASU beating Nevada. It was it was so cool to watch that game. Uh, anyway, I, I digress. Uh, the issue of gas prices, the issue of the economy. I've been. It is what it is. There's not a lot you and I are going to be able to do about it. Uh, I've, I've lamented and told you uh, kind of the. I'm, I'm echoing kind of the the ghost of Bill Clinton here and saying I feel your pain. I've been in a situation where when gas prices go up like this and you're watching them go up and up and up, it it dramatically cuts into even what you f- use to feed your family. And families have a difficult time when that's their choice. Um, I've talked about intentional giving with St. Mary's Food Bank and other places because they are still at peak levels. The the number of emergency food boxes and meal boxes they gave out at Thanksgiving was a record number. But the last time I talked with the people over at St. Mary's, they are still giving out record numbers on a daily basis at two locations, people with food boxes. I imagine it's the same way in the East Valley. With the United Food Bank, uh, any time I've gone and we've served meals at Saint Vincent de Paul, uh, the what is staggering, and I, just to just so you understand, um, if you haven't done it, I I hope you'll join us or just go and do it on your own. A um, bunch of volunteers showed up from the Action Alliance and uh, we prepared a meal and we it's all done kind of uh, cafeteria style but the food is fresh and really good but it's served cafeteria style. We set the tables, we put the salt and pepper on the tables and pitchers of water and we made it as comfortable as we could. We got everything ready to go and everybody was anticipating this event of, of feeding people. It, it, it makes you feel like you're doing something to help feed people. The mood changed the minute the doors opened and I'm not saying it changed changed for the worse, but it definitely changed. When you see the wave of humanity walking through those doors and the line that seemed like it was never going to end of people that were just waiting for a hot meal. It's humbling. It is humbling. And that was a group of homeless people. So people make the association between homelessness and hunger, which it is, obviously. But how many working families you, some of you may be listening right now. How many working families are either very concerned that they're not going to be able to stretch their food dollar enough to get to payday and not going to be able to, you know, what are they going to do for dinner on Thursday if payday is Friday? That's a real fear. And there are families, many families right now lined up to get that bridge that, that food that fills the gap between now and payday so their children can eat. And so this is the reality. I I always I argue the politics. I screamed about policy earlier, but I never want to get it out of my mind that there are it's not. It is people that are homeless, but it's not only those people. There are people that have homes and have jobs and have kids and have things that are going on in their lives. And they are parents behind closed doors asking each other, what are we going to do? Our kids will be hungry tomorrow and we don't have food and we don't have money because we're putting everything in the gas tank. Our electric bill has gone through the roof. You know, the kids are going to complain that it's cold in the house or it's hot in the house. Parents are thinking, you know, I want to turn on the AC too. But what we're faced with right now is a situation where you got to eat. And we know that electric bill is coming in. And if we can't pay the electric bill, they're going to shut it off. I I mean, I just it – it is – it's maddening at times because we fight about things politically and instead of looking at them in a human form and then trying to say, okay, what can we do? Because sometimes the answer is nothing. But we should be doing everything we can. And I I just think that's reasonable. Um, One more segment of the show we're going to talk about, uh, um, I think, social media because I'm having some fun and they're having some fun with me. So we'll get to it coming up in just a moment.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app.
1: You know, I I get emails all the time promoting stuff and talking about things that are happening. Am I, I don't know, am I supposed to not talk about this? But I don't care. I'm going to talk about it anyway. If I get in trouble, I get in trouble. Just got an email. uh, Chase Field, Friday, December 8th. Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks on stage at the same time. That's pretty stinking cool. (laughs) That should be a great show. Anyway, tickets go on sale next week. I'm not going to tell you when until I get my tickets. Then I'll let you know how you can get tickets. But that should be a very cool show. Um, I want to talk before we close out the show about um, this battle in Arizona over capital punishment. Uh, This is one of those, um, I've said this to people, when it comes to capital punishment, I am not a huge advocate in the sense that I'm not going to go out there and protest one way or the other. Um, I'm not an opponent of capital punishment. I don't like the way we We do it in this country. I think that it makes victims' families wait way too long for justice and for these cases to be closed. Um, And this Gunch's case that's happening here in Arizona is a classic case of it. Um, Warren Peterson, the president of the Senate is now fighting back along with House Speaker Ben Toma. They have filed an amicus brief on behalf of the sister of the victim. Uh, the governor has stated she has no intention of carrying out this execution. However, no law allows the executive branch to unilaterally suspend executions. The warrant for execution is not up for debate. Here's the quote. The Arizona Supreme Court's execution warrant states in part, it is ordered. Fixing Thursday, the sixth day of April, 2023 is the day of the commencement of the execution time period when the judgment and sentence of death pronounced upon Aaron Brian Gunches by the Superior Court of Maricopa County shall be executed by administering to Aaron Brian Gunches an intravenous injection of a substance or substances in quantity sufficient to cause death. And I, I don't again, I'm not a lawyer. Um, unfortunately, I've had to have too many conversations with lawyers in my life. Um But there is a big difference in the law between may and shall. Um, You may do something or you shall do something. If you've ever signed a contract, if you've ever signed a contract, if it says your employer may pay you for an extended period of time after your dismissal, they might. They might not. If it says if you are released without cause, they shall pay you for this period of time, then they have to pay you. If it says they may pay you, it's at their discretion. If it says they shall pay you, they have to pay you. So if that's what it says in the order, I don't know how the governor has a leg to stand on. But in the end, this is more about satisfaction for, in my estimation, it starts with the victims. But as a society, we have said in the law that if you take a life, your life will be taken from you. There's gotta be certain aggravating circumstances. Well, if those circumstances are met, it goes to a jury of this guy's peers, the jury says we agree the death penalty here, it's, this is a death penalty case, then the people of Arizona have spoken and I, I don't know that the governor ought to be saying we're not going to carry out the will of the voters of Arizona. Now you can say, not everybody, you're right, but we have a system in place with jurors and the jurors hear all of the testimony. Decisions are made by people based on the evidence, whether or not they're guilty. And then the sentence that shall be carried out a jury. And then all of this appeals process has gone on and he has still been found to be eligible for death based on our rules. Why would somebody step in and say, I don't agree with it, so we're going to stop it? That's my only question. And it is more about the bigger picture, because long after this case is done and over with and this guy gunches is in the ground or whatever ends up happening to him, um, it it will then be out there. This precedent has been set. Can the governor intervene and say, I don't like it or I'm concerned about the way it's done. Therefore, we're going to stop it because now you're kind of at the mercy. You've got somebody that you've hired and then you've got to wonder, okay, you've hired one person to investigate. Are they predisposed to your way of thinking? Is this somebody that already doesn't like the death penalty? So what do you think their findings are going to be? I don't know the answer to that question, but it's a valid question. As it stands right now in the state of Arizona, this man has been condemned to death and a warrant for his execution has been issued. And if the warrant reads, it shall be carried out, I don't know what legal leg the governor has to stand on. And so what that means for us overall is if this, if the Supreme Court looks at this and says we see this within the governor's purview, this is an expansion of the powers of the executive branch. And so it doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or a Republican, there are going to be other cases where the governor says, I don't think this is right. And even though it says it in the law, we're not going to do it. Does she have the authority? And I'm interested to hear what the answer to that question is. You know, the other part of this is you've got the the, the PR part of this. And I mean this sincerely, the public relations part of this that says – You know, um, we don't. uh, We're not going to do this. But the victim's family is saying, "Come on, already! We've been waiting over 20 years. This guy says he wants to go. How long are you going to make our family wait for justice?" It's not a good look, especially at a time when more and more people are concerned about violent crime and the lack of punishment for those violent crimes, the lack of accountability, the number of times that people are committing violent crimes before they see serious time. So there's a lot of baggage attached to this issue. You hear the music. It means we're just about out of time. I want to thank you again for spending part of your morning with me. Uh, start tomorrow morning just after 8 o'clock. If you want to jump in, would love to hear from you at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter um, or at Broomhead Show. That's where you get updated on the show. Follow both accounts. But at Broomhead uh, KTAR is me personally. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram is how you can find me. Again, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 8. Until then, have a great day, everyone. God bless.